Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 23 of the Point of Pittsburgh podcast. I'm Kevin Cray. I'm Steve DiMaselli. I was wondering if you were unsure of that. I mean, you're really big. Gap. No, I almost, I somehow almost missed my cue. Um, <laughs> we've been, we've only done this 23 times now. There's uh, only two at, of us you know, on the at show. The beginning and the end of the show, you know. So yeah, I was waiting for the other person to like jump in. So. I, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it's not usual. I'm like ready to go. I was like only half ass paying attention. <laughs> that's already. my job. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's problematic. This is problematic <laughs> if I'm already not paying attention. We're 30 like 30 seconds into the show. We're 10 30 seconds into the show. We're 30 seconds in here. I mean, focus a little bit. Well. All Come right. On. Come on, Daniel son. All right. So we are recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, the pirates are fresh off of, a sweep of the Rockies where they not just swept them, but they uh, beat the brakes off of them. Uh, there were two scores that looked like the Steelers beat the Broncos of 14 to three in two separate games, which is, I honestly cannot remember the last time that happened. Um, it was just an all around beatdown. Uh, the Rockies are an absolute tire fire of a franchise right now. But that should take nothing away from what the Pirates did, because you can only play the games that are in front of you. They got a sweep, and they're looking really good, Steve, at 12-7. and seven. Yeah, I'm still still playing wait and see, because that's just how I do until yeah. you know we get a full month in. But, man, every one of these series, it gets closer and closer to that date where you know you can't really argue that they aren't a pretty good baseball team and you can't you know where we're not going to change those expectations i'm not there yet not changing the expectations majorly i probably would bump my prediction up i think it was last last we visited it i think i was at 75 or was 76 games one way or the other probably bump that up another game to 76 or 77 but that being said um Slow yeah, down there, I, Professor Positive. You were at seventy-three. I know. No, no, no. I started at seventy-three, and then I think I, I think we talked about it about a week into the season that you know they were you know after the Boston series that they had already played about two games better than what I was expecting, and so they're probably yeah. another game better than uh, you know beyond that even now, you know. So that, I, I would have expected them to be at the. I think nine and eleven mark or the eight and twelve mark somewhere in that neck of the woods now. So, um, but yeah, I mean, again, all these wins before call ups, man, they they count. They mean a little bit more. I keep saying that over and over again, but it is the truth. So, I mean, there's there's reinforcements coming, and this team's going to be better in about a month than it is now. Um, but well, here you know they're 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 still doing things. Here's the crazy part. Like, they don't really... I mean, obviously, if Andy comes up and does Andy things, but they don't really need Andy right now. Um, no. I mean, obviously, the bat would be... Anything would be better than Austin Hedges. But even Austin Hedges uh, in the past week has been competent. Uh, yeah, and now, so is Vincent Vasquez and 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 uh, yeah. and, and Dick Mountain. I mean, both of those guys Whoa. have been to the point where, well, there's no okay. I mean, there's no Dick Mountain slander on this podcast, 
sir. Well, I'm pretty sure that that's been the podcast the last few weeks. It's just been nothing but Rich Hill slander. Uh, so, no, well, um, Velasquez slander last week on my part. Oh, well, yeah, so. that's true. That's true. We moved on to, to Velasquez. But yeah. anyway, both of those guys are pitching pretty decent. So there's no, there's not as much Ortiz hurry as well either. Right. You know, um, Chase DeYoung's on the disabled list. So there's not as much Cody Bolton hurry, you know? So, like... All of these things combined, and and I mean the the team's looking pretty okay. You know, d- don't get me wrong. Do those two players, maybe three, including Bolton, do they make the team better? Absolutely. But again, we, we they can afford to work on some stuff now. Like, you yeah, know, I, I mean, I don't know what Indy's working on. You know, again, I, I that that one's still like he's he's as ready as he's gonna be. I feel like, but we've talked again at length about. Um, Ortiz and his change up so there's value add for him being down there he can just throw it with impunity and not worry if about the results although he's getting pretty good results Jason DeLay is really living up to his name because he yeah he's actually you know shown some competence and uh he's helping to delay the arrival of any Rodriguez and um I'd say that Rodriguez would be just a an incremental gain at this point he wouldn't be a a huge gain, especially you know breaking a pure rookie into the lineup. So, yeah, it's um, these are good, good, good times right now in the salad days of April here, uh, which kind of leads me into a very quick dip onto the old safe space couch, and this is this weird subset of fans, um, probably mostly here in Pittsburgh, but I thought we all kind of wore the same black and gold pajamas and slept under the same black and gold sheets and rooted for the same black and gold teams. And there's always this weird set of Steeler and especially right now Penguin fans who are a little bit bitter about not being in the playoffs for the first time in 16 short years. Uh, there's always these Pens and Steelers fans that get on and try to like poo-poo the Pirates' success, you know, even if they just have a little bit of success. And it, it's just always weird to me that it's not a competition. It's not like a zero-sum game. You're allowed to have energy for more than one team. And even if you don't support, like, baseball, you can at least just be happy that your city's representative of the sport is doing well. Uh, I don't get it. You people are weird. And um, grow up. Kevin, I hear you. Thanks, man. So it's just like all positive vibes around this team right now. And I can't help but feel that the main reason for that is the return of uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Um, And Andrew McCutcheon appears to have put a plutonium rod in the old flux capacitor and gone back to the year 2014 and uh, brought his 2014 self into 2023. Uh, I had very modest expectations for McCutcheon. Um, he has not had the best of career since he left our fair city the first time in 2018. From 2019 through 2022, he had a grand total of combined 2.9 war over those four seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, he is right now on track for a very... It's it's return to greatness for him. Those salad days from 2013 to 2015, 
um, when he was winning and in the running for MVP every year. And he's not just doing it with smoke and mirrors, Steve. I don't know if you've really kind of parsed into the stat cast at, at all on him, but his exit he's velocity. Balls. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's what smoking I was just going to say. His exit velocity is 91.1 miles per hour, which is his highest of the stat cast era going back to 2015. Hmm. Um, even better than 2015 when he was in that MVP phase, you know, he had a 90.6 EV. Um, his hard hit percentage is the highest it's been in the same uh, stack cast period since 2015. Obviously, he's walking more than he's striking out, which always brings a smile to this old chunk of Cole's face. Um, he's just killing the ball. Uh, and the biggest thing I think he's done is he has basically said whether it's he said it outright or he basically just presumed it. I'm going to be the face of this franchise again and take all the pressure off everybody. I'll be the extrovert, and introverted players like Brian Reynolds don't have to be that that face of the franchise anymore. Yeah, I, um, I, I hadn't necessarily thought of it that way, but he's certainly playing himself into that position. I mean, it's an incredible start, like literally the best start of his career. Like if 2000... Um, or, you know, if, if 2013 McCutcheon got off to this kind of a start, like he would have been, a, he would have had a 10 war season, you yeah. know, like it's, um, it, it's, it's uncanny. I mean, like, and if you look at the tools, like for a 36 year old, you know, I, I, he still has a pretty decent run tool. Like, I mean, I would still put him at 45, 50 run tool at this point. I mean, would you agree with that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he's a, you know when you start out with great tools, you are able to maintain those great tools longer. And I mean, while he wasn't getting the most out of them for a while, he had epic bat speed from the very beginning of his career. You know, he's always had a, a pretty solid eye, um, especially when he's hitting well. When he's slumping, that you know he 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 has a tendency to strike out a lot more often. But when he's seeing the ball well. You know, in drawn walks, he's always been, you know, just an excellent, excellent hitter in terms of just, you know, not only contact, um, but, you know, anything else. The the spike in power is pretty special, though. I mean, like, uh, you know, so so he's maintaining, you know, based on, you know, even if his, his tools have softened a little bit, um, he still had such good tools to begin with that, you know, he's even if they, they, they dip, you know, 10, 15, 20% with age, he's still got elite level stuff in certain areas. Yeah. I mean, he's got a 152 weighted runs created above average mm-hmm. right now. And just to kind of put that in context, that's 2012 and 2013 when mm-hmm. he had a 158 and a 156 respectively. And those, those years resulted in seven and eight win seasons. Now we are, way over our skis um to project that out for him but of course i mean i i was really just kind of hoping he would have a average two war season and i i definitely think we can dream higher than that at this point yeah two would have been great um three would have been outstanding i was honestly i would have been fine with one one and a half just enough that he's you know, not damaging legacy, you know, uh, but I mean, he's come to play, man. He's, 
he's really ready to go. And he hasn't had like there's so many players like as I was, you know, I, I did that study on on the aging of players, you know, some time back um, and, and how people's performances ages over time. And there's always those guys that got those one or two like late career, like best shape of my life sort of years where they just bounce back almost inexplicably in their 30s. Um, and, uh, and I think he's, I think we're watching that happen. Uh, and, and I hope he rides it out. I, I hope he can ride it out this year. And I, I hope he comes back next year and has another great season. Cause I, I mean, you know, it'd be nice to just see him have that rebound and get back to form, you know, it's sort of the tail end of his career, because if he has a couple of just incredible years, incredible unexpected years here late on, you know, it, it might get him back in the conversation for yeah. Hall of Fame. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it would be uh, a great narrative, that's for sure. Um, there's for just sure. some some players just identified with certain teams. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe he just gets that jolt from playing here, I guess. I don't know. Regardless, it's great to see. And um, however long it lasts, we're here for it. So last week, Steve, we did a whole Teapop-esque article on singing the praises of Mitch Keller. And Mitch Keller is still the man. But uh, since we recorded that podcast on April 12th, we have a new contender who decided to put in two amazing starts. And I'm ready to say that Johan Oviedo is now officially the best pitcher on the Pirates staff. Um, hmm. Since since we recorded... Uh, he had a great seven-inning start against the Cardinals, allowed one run, and today he had six great innings against the Moribund Rockies with one run. So that's 13 innings, two runs, and 16 strikeouts uh, for Mr. Oviedo. And he's doing it with one of the best sliders going right now. Uh, it's really amazing to watch this slider work. And it's something that we touched on with Keller, and it's true of Oviedo. He no longer has a four-seam fastball as his best pitch, or excuse me, as his most thrown pitch. He's now throwing the slider this year more than the four-seam fastball, which is the first time in his career. And he's doubled his usage of the curveball. So this tells me that... um, Oscar Marin and the rest of the analytics and pitching staff have have made a conscious decision that we're going to let the pitchers eat with their best pitch. Mm-hmm. And they're letting him throw the slider uh, more than the four-seam fastball. I had a tweet last week about uh, Ronzi Contreras, who's been struggling this year. And I said, hey, fellas, I think I cracked the code. Um... Ronzi's fastball was absolutely getting destroyed this year. At the time that I tweeted it, it was like a 450 batting average against or something like that. It was disgusting. And then lo and behold, in his last start, he threw his slider more than his four-seam fastball. So it feels like this is a thing this year where uh, whether it's just slider heavy or we're going to let you throw your best pitch. And... Uh, we're going to de-emphasize the four seam, but Oviedo uh, has a 35, 
0.6 whiff percentage on that slider. That's green. People are just waving at it uh, when they see it come in at them. So, I mean, you want wax philosophic on Johan Oviedo? Yeah, I mean, based on what you just said, it sounds like the Pirates are doing with Oviedo a lot of what the Astros did with Garrett Cole when he switched over there. You know, they're de-emphasizing the fastball, and they both have great fastballs. Like, don't get me wrong, they both can throw the hell out of the ball. But they have incredible secondary stuff as well, too, and that secondary stuff is going to keep them off ba- uh, hitters off balance and it's going to make that fastball, when they do throw it, play even better than it already is. So I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, it's an interesting observation. I hadn't noticed that. So, I, I mean, I'm glad that you brought it up. And I, I think it's it's definitely signals a new approach from the new front office compared to, um, you know, the, the, the Huntington crew, which was all fastball all the time. And... I think this group is a little more caught up with the times in the sense that, like you were saying, you know, if somebody's best pitch is a curveball, let them throw that curveball, you know, 50% of the time. Let them throw that slider 55% of the time if that's what works the best for them. So, I mean, you you work with what you're given, not necessarily in this rigid philosophical system where you're pitching off of a certain pitch and letting the rest, you know, uh, letting the rest go. I mean, they're going to maximize what they're going to get out of these pitchers. Um, I think it's interesting. I mean, I brought up, I just brought up Garrett Cole, and and I'm going to bring up another name that I think is kind of interesting uh, to compare him to. But I think they're also doing what the Rays did with Tyler Glass now a little bit, you know, um, in the sense that they're really unlocking his potential after his original team essentially gave up on him. Uh, you know, so so the Pirates got him for, I mean, basically nothing. You know, two years of a um, of a pretty good relief pitcher and two months of a, an aging but also pretty good starting pitcher. So, um, and and again, he wasn't the only thing that came back in that haul. I mean, obviously Malcolm Nunez, who's finally starting to find his power swing down in Indianapolis as we're recording this, but. Um, you are we're seeing the pirates do to him what other teams have done to pitchers that have left pittsburgh mm-hmm. yes and i mean how nice is it that the pirates have two pitchers that you just have like complete confidence in that you just look at and go oh yeah we got a really good chance at this tonight i mean it's been a long time since i've been able to say with a straight face that the Pirates, you know, are are in every game, in every pitching matchup when it's Keller or Oviedo. And that's just the that's just the confidence I have in them right now. And and Ronzi had that one bad start. I'm not I'm not fully backing off Ronzi. I think he's mostly gonna go head to head with just about anybody that he's gonna face. I mean do I feel good about him against elite pitchers? No, not at all. Right. But that being said, you know, he's he's slotting in towards the back end of other teams rotations at this point because the Pirates started in five. So in all likelihood, he's going to be hitting. Well, he, he's going to periodically be running against aces, but he's mostly going to be going against five, four and fives this entire season. So I, I'm, I'm always pretty good about I'll put Ronzi against any anybody's back end at this point, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, what, and I think what we're seeing kind of early on. 
Um, you know, the Cardinals have been a, a vex uh, against the Pirates forever. Um, their pitching staff does not strike a lot of fear in my heart. The Rockies, aside from Freeland, who just had a terrible night, yeah. uh, they have a garbage. Very unlucky. Yeah, they not have to, a, not to not to interrupt, but yeah. very unlucky. I felt they have a garbage staff. I mean, we're going to see the Reds. The Reds have Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo pour one out for Pirates pros, Pirates prospect they couldn't sign. But man, we're going to see some really bad pitching from the Reds too, and it just seems like teams are having a tough time filling out even four spots of the rotation, let alone three. Um, it seems so like Reds, Pirates are kind of in that good position. Yeah, the Reds do have, I, I think they do have three legit pitchers. Um, I, I mean, in I'm that not they sold also on, have uh, Ashcraft I, going. I'm not, yeah, um, I'm not totally sold on him yet. Okay, fair. I, I mean, they've got a good bullpen, but the rest of their rotation, the back two is, I mean, that's just a hot mess. I mean, Overton's yeah. out, obviously. Um, so Sessa's coming up, and I think they've got Luke Weaver that's gonna be that's that's yeah. healthy and stretched out now. So he's gonna make his season debut against the Pirates. But um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's it's hard to keep a deep rotation. I mean, there's um, you know, so so for the Pirates to really be able to go five deep with with at least pretty good guys, and again have a, have one guy that's waiting in the wings and possibly if, if Priester Quinn Priester keeps going the way that he did his last start, you know, he's going to be in the mix here before long too, you know? So I still think he could make his debut uh, here in, in, in 2023 as well. So, I mean, it, you know, you, you figure there's only two possible weak links here at this point, if everybody else stays healthy, um, you know, and, and, the most remarkable thing about Oviedo is, is he'd be in the bullpen right now if JT Brubaker weren't hurt. I, I know that is the crazy part. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, that, that's like one of those um, piece of serendipity, not for JT Brubaker, yeah. but it's like the pirates got a do over on a potentially bad decision. You right. Know? Right. And, you know, he may have, um, I mean, I'm sure they'd keep him stretched out and everything like that. It's very possible he would even have started in Indianapolis just to keep him stretched out. But, you know, it, it, I, I just think they're they're super, in, in a weird way, they're super fortunate that he he managed to, to, to stay in the rotation because he has been awesome. Like, there's yes. no way around it. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's locked in at this point. Um, so while we're while we're kind of talking about the red staff though, the pirates got a little fortunate with uh, with that with the with with who they're, they're going to face in the reds rotation here. Yep, yeah, you're right about that in this series. Yeah, Hunter Green. So Hunter Green got smacked by a comebacker. So um, the other day, so they're going to bring up a, uh, a prospect whose name is escaping me right now. I believe it's Stout something Stout. Um, and he's going to be doing a spot start so that they can push Hunter Green back a day in the rotation, which means that the Pirates are now going to miss Nick Lodolo, which yes. is a feel good, feel good moment because he is, I guess he mustn't have, he mustn't have had a particularly good start the last time out, but, um, yeah, I I'm think... looking at his ERA right now and he's, he's at four, nine, eight now, but I mean, he's been, other he than got, that, you know, his 
Oh, go ahead. He got run over by the Rays. Oh, did he really? Yeah, okay. I think I think it was just yesterday. I believe he got well, absolutely destroyed. Hopefully, he showed all of baseball how to to beat him. You know, or they showed all of baseball how to beat him. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 kind of fortunate. I still don't want to face him. I'd rather. I'd rather face Sessa and, and Weaver than than Lodolo. Of course, watch Luke Weaver have like career start, <laughs> but you know, yeah. but but Sessa would be, uh, you know, Sessa'd find a way into the Rockies rotation, but there's not many <laughs> other teams where he'd be pitching. I'm not trying to beat up on the dude or anything like that. I've only ever, I probably only ever seen him pitch like once, but you know, the um, the Pirates had to face their the big three in their rotation the first time, you know, the first series, but they're going to, they got four games now, and they're going to miss two, or, you know, they're only going to have to face two of them, so that, that feels a lot better. Yeah. So, it's been a hell of a week, Steve. Um, yeah. And there's, there's some weeks that we will probably have a tough time doing three stars, but uh, this is one of those weeks where you and I talked a little bit before we turned on the old record button and we kind of had to say, well, what, you know, you want to talk about this guy? Cause I'm already three deep. Um, so let's talk about the three right. stars of the week. You want to go first? Okay. So I'm going to go with my first star and my third star is going to be Jack Sawinski. Okay. Mm. Jack obviously had three homers and three at bats. He hasn't played a ton this week, but at the same time, he's the parts are finding situations for him and he's really making the most of them. Uh, He's going to be somebody that's interesting to follow. I mean, I know that after the first week of the season, he looked pretty rough. But at the same time, uh, you know, he's doing some pretty crazy statistical things himself. And I don't want to – this is three stars, not a feature topic, so I don't want to spend too, too much time talking about him here. But, you know, he's not swinging at bad pitches. Like his eye is like elite as far as – you know, baseball players go like he's like 99% in terms of like his, his zone. Um, you know, so, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's whiffing at pitches in the zone at like a not elite, like the opposite end of that. You know, he's still missing pitches when he swings in the zone (laughs) way more than he ought to. But at the same time, if pitchers are coming in the zone for him and he's not swinging at bad pitches, then he's either going to walk a bunch or they're going to have to attack him a little bit more aggressively. And, you know, even if he does whiff at a higher rate than he ought to, he's still going to be put him in a position. He's putting himself into a position where pitchers are going to have to throw him good pitches for the hitter. And eventually that over time, that's going to pay dividends. And I think we're starting to see that happen here in the Colorado series. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of holes in that swing, but 100%. Man, when he catches that ball, it is going to it's like a hate crime. I mean, one way or mm-hmm. another, it's that that ball is getting beat up. Um all right, so my number 3 uh is Rodolfo Castro. And when when O'Neill Cruz went down, you know, there were a lot of gnashing of teeth and rending of garments, but uh on the pod I said I was probably whistling past the graveyard, but I was oddly calm about it. And I didn't think uh, Rodolfo Castro would be great uh, defensively. I thought he would kind of like hold the fort. But I've always kind of been intrigued by his bat, and he's just been really tearing the cover off the ball. 
the past week. Um, I'm just looking at his splits for the past week. He's got a 350, 435, 600 triple slash. That's good for a 178 weighted runs created above average. Um, he's he's basically doing his best O'Neill Cruz impression. Mm-hmm. And again, this it, it's like what we talked about with the prospects. Every good start that Castro has is one less day that people are pining for the return of O'Neill Cruz, which is going to be a very long time coming. So, yeah, he's my number three star. He's definitely on the team's back, that's for sure. So um, my next uh, – I have a feeling we've talked about the, uh, the the next two players already today, but my, uh, my number two star of the week was Andrew McCutcheon. Yep. Uh, really laying down the lumber in Denver this past week. Again, those hard hit balls. Like we, I, I said a little bit before, you know, that maybe Pirates or the Rockies pitching was a little unlucky. Well, I, I actually think that Andrew, with the way that he's been hitting the ball, has actually been a little unlucky too. They've been, uh, you know, he's been hitting some hard hit balls like right at the shortstop, um, you know, that I noticed in this series too. So, um, you know, yeah, he's been, uh, he, he's just, he's just on a tear right now. There's really no way around it. And he's my number two star this week. My number two is Mr. Johan Oviedo for all the reasons I stated, uh, ponderously for the, at the outset of the show there. Um, I don't really know that much needs to be said, but I'm just looking forward to seeing him, uh, do some things in his next, next start and keep on trucking. I mean, it's got an ERA in the low twos, which is very pleasing to the eye. And uh, he's my number one star, star for all of the uh, ponderous reasons that you had mentioned yep. already. And my number one is uh, Mr. McCutcheon. So it's, um, you know, we didn't even talk about Connor Joe. We no. didn't talk, talk about Cabrian Hayes. Uh, yeah, I am, very worthy know, as well. You know I'm always a biter on him, but it's mm-hmm. important. It's important that I acknowledge that he's um, really had a nice week at the plate. Uh, he's still doing his thing Jason, on defense. Yep. Jason Delays had a good week. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I mean, David Bednar's had a good week. Like, oh, I mean, like weeks like this minor league players don't even enter into the the thought process uh right. here you know uh, osvaldo Beto, we could have easily talked him in if the major league club had a bad week um but i, I mean yeah there's there's a lot to be excited about at the major league level you know that we don't even need to dip our toes into the minor league system at this point that's right well this is probably a good time for us to uh shuffle off into the sunset here um let's hope that they continue this uh this run against the reds this is definitely a series that they got to keep the foot down division opponent terrible team team that i love to watch uh struggle the reds so with that said uh, i'm gonna sign off as kevin cray and Steve, you remember uh, this is your part where you jump in and say that I am... I am name... Name here? Steve Maselli. Yeah. So, everybody, thank you for listening, and we will catch up with you next week.